like to invite the kids to come up if you would. Waiting from college, and Derek is going to be a police officer probably. So, you got accepted? Wonderful. You're uh, you're going to stand behind him. Now, I want you to understand something in the sermon. I'm going to teach big people, and it says, when we walk through life, we walk in the power of God's resurrection. Now, I want to show you what that means. Here's the little kid. There's the. And right behind him. Muscle. Muscle. <laughs> right behind him now is power. So when he starts walking down the lane, now. <laughs> see what happens? What happened? His big brother helped him, right? And what did he do to the bully? Pushed him away, right? Now, come on back. Now, in the sermon, in the sermon we're going to talk about it today, the big people. He represents Jesus and the power of Jesus. He represents us, guys. All of us are a little bit like that kid who can be picked on and pushed around. And here's the devil. <laughs> the big mean bully who wants to hurt you. So what we learned in the sermon today is that
whose strength was us? Whose strength do we have? God's strength. Very good. That's what I want to see if we can learn today. Do you see if you can remember that? I'm going to try and teach it to you big people. Because sometimes we feel very put upon and hurt. And sometimes we've got to remember who's behind us. Okay? Good. Now, I'm not going to hand him out because i got a cold. Can you hand him out for me? You can help me too. Good. Give, give Derek one to you. ever think about how serious losing your first love is? You know, uh, that little section out of Revelation that I read to you, it wasn't talking to a congregation that had forgotten how to hate wickedness. It was talking to a congregation that forgot what it meant to follow Jesus. See, in almost every religion in the world, as far as I can tell, you can take their leaders out of it and nothing changes. You can pull Muhammad out. You can pull Buddha out. You can pull, uh, you know, whatever group, Abraham out. You can pull all of them out. Because their religion is based on a set of philosophies and, and thought patterns and whatever else they're based on. But you pull Jesus out of Christianity, you got nothing. See, Christianity is not about following the way that Jesus taught. It's about Jesus himself. And if you want to make it as simple and clean as you can, it is as simple and clean as, here's Jesus, here I am, and I follow him. I walk with him. That's the key. It's not about how I think or act or behave. It's how I interact with Jesus. He is the entire purpose, function, and heart of Christianity. To remove Christ is to remove anything that is Christian. So out of all the religions in the world, this is not a system of thought or a pattern of behavior or uh, you know, something that I must do. This is simply, what am I going to do with Jesus? Here he is, and I either am with him, one with him, or I'm not. So we get done with the resurrection and we come to that portion of the the scripture that tells us that people had to make that decision. They had to understand what it meant to follow Christ. Whether they could see him or not see him was the new thing for the disciples as they got through the, the time of the resurrection and eventually the ascension into heaven. But to follow Christ, they understood it completely. They knew whether they saw him or not, that there was no separation of Christ from what they were and what they thought. 
They understood that Christianity is not thinking the right way or behaving the right way or doing the right things. Christianity is all about whether you and Christ are one and whether you've lost that first love. I mean, when you think about examples of first love, you think about marriage or relationships sometimes, and I go, have you lost your first love of your relationship with your wife or your husband? Do you remember those moments? Do you understand the intimacy, the longing, the desire, the passion, the joy, those feelings of closeness, that appreciation of everything from them just being there to touching you, to holding you? It was all about them. Then sometimes marriage settles into its patterns and its performances and its busyness and its earning a salary and washing the dishes and putting the clothes away and the things that marriages settle into. And it doesn't take very long before either one or both of the people in the marriage have lost that first love. Oh, they're married, but there's nothing connecting them anymore. They've lost touch with one another. And so here's Jesus trying to help us understand that concept. And how serious is it? Jesus says, if you lose touch with me, you have nothing. Don't take your philosophical truths and and your things you've learned as laws and lessons and your abilities to select that which is wicked and that which is good and consider that a relationship with me. I'm talking about intimacy. I'm talking about communication. I'm talking about touch. I'm talking about closeness. I'm talking about time. You understand, if you fall away from the Lord, if you turn your back on God, you can still remember all the facts and figures, can't you? You even have memories of what it was like to be close to Him. A little bit like if you're in a situation where you and your wife have drifted apart or a divorce situation, you can remember when. Those memories exist, but they only exist as memories. And so God is speaking to our heart today. He's talking about an intimacy that he wants with you. And what's so neat about this particular section is that the writer says, I want to pursue this kind of intimacy with Christ so that I may know his power and the power of his resurrection. You understand, to picture yourself taking on life circumstances, I mean, with adults, I could have made the children's sermon all the diseases in the world and the compromise and the immoralities and the deceptiveness and all the stuff that we have pulling us down and yanking us around. And if you understand, if you think you're going to walk through that without Christ standing behind you, you don't have a chance. And here the apostle, realizing that, goes, I want to know Christ Know Christ. Not just about him. Not just a block of facts. Not just he is risen, he is risen indeed, which is just fine. But I want to know him. Would you say you and your wife know one another? Would you say that you can truly understand what makes him or her tick right now? Do you understand the difference between knowing them And just being associated with them. Just being around them. How many people in this congregation do you know? How many do you actually look at and say, I know what makes this man tick. 
I know what pain she carries. How many of us have had courage to be known? It's extremely difficult. One of the things that uh, Tom shared when he came back from the church down in uh, Louisiana from his mission trip was he shared that one of the things that happened at their Good Friday service is someone stood up and said, I think I have a word from the Lord. And he began to preach. And he said, I'm going to tell you about what God has rescued me from. And he began to go down the list of drug addiction. And he began to go down the list of fears. And he began going down the list of immoralities. And he said, but I want to tell you tonight that I'm not here to tell you about the things that are wicked in my life or were wicked in my life. I'm here to tell you that God has rescued me. And then he came to the real point that the Spirit had been moving on this particular man's heart. I'm convinced that there is someone in this fellowship that needs to be rescued tonight from drug addiction. I believe there's someone here tonight that needs to be rescued from the things that they're caught up in. And they said that within two or three minutes, a woman right about in front of them stood up and said, it's me. Now that wasn't yet the miracle. The miracle was that they brought her down front and the entire congregation stood up without being told to and began to gather around her to lay hands on her and pray for her. They didn't pray for her for five minutes. They prayed for her for almost two hours. And by the time they were done, there were people that were going to be her come-along partners to help her deal with this. There were individuals that had stepped into it and began to surround her with ongoing support. And so the needs of this woman were met in the fellowship of Good Friday service. Now, they didn't finish the service. The pastor didn't preach. There was no sermon, like you might call it a sermon. They did church. They were doing what we have to start doing again. See, if you've lost your first love, you get busy doing that which you're supposed to do or you think you're supposed to do. And if you've lost your first love, you lose that that intimacy, that immediacy, that, that thrill. Do you remember when you would send these useless little cards and letters and notes and And stuff just to let her know you loved her? You'd been thinking about her? Do you remember coming up with that special thing you were going to make him, give to him, buy him? It cost 39 cents, but it had nothing to do with the cost. It had everything to do with the fact that you had listened to her. You actually opened up your ears and listened to her. And here was this perfect little thing that said, you're still special, or I love you so much, or whatever it was. And she knew that the gift was not in the expense, but the gift was in that your first love was fresh and new and real. And so you begin to understand what Jesus is trying to say. He looks at a congregation that he loves. And he says, I love you. I see your hatred of wickedness. I understand what you're dealing with. And I'm proud of you. But you've lost your first love. There are people sitting here dying. But we may not have the courage or the character as a congregation to surround them with real commitment and sacrifice. And so the question goes, if it was you today, 
that felt like you needed to hear that word of ministry. If it was you today caught in that particular burden, would this be the place that you'd be able to raise a hand and say, it's me? Tell me you're not afraid of dying sometimes. Tell me when you struggle with your diseases and your sicknesses that those don't concern you and your faith fluctuates and you feel beat up by the world. Tell me, guys, whether or not you're struggling in any area of sexual immorality, neither thought or pictures or anything else. Would this be the place where you are so loved, so encouraged that you would be able to stand up and say, it's me. Because if it's not, we've lost our first love. See, one of the things that makes me vulnerable about my first love to the Lord is I am unbelievably sensitive to the wickedness in my own self. And the other thing that I discover in first love is I don't have any pattern or routine with God. It's always fresh. It's always something new that I haven't said to Him. It's something new that He's speaking to my heart. You see, first love is just talking about some emotion I'm supposed to feel toward Jesus. It's talking about a way to live. Do we live expecting the Holy Spirit to minister to us today? Do we live expecting to get our needs met as we come into this fellowship? Do we live expecting God to change the circumstances around us? Or do we live kind of in this routine, this pattern that we've developed? Not wicked, just mundane, loss of freshness, loss of sincerity. God's calling you and me to become a different congregation. Not different in one sense, but different in the sense that you and I have to be that place of the first love so that no matter what you stand up for, no matter what your need is, we know this is not a place of judgment and harshness and cruelty and beating you down, but this is a place where you're going to be surrounded by the needs and the heart and the love of people who know that their power is not their own, but they walk through life looking back over their shoulder going, Jesus, I got a sick one over here. He said, let's go. And you walk over into their life and you hug them, not in your power, but you hug them in the power of your big brother. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Because if I don't know Jesus and I don't know the power of his resurrection, I settle for so much less. I settle for routine. Routine worship, routine singing, routine prayer, routine everything else. I believe God's calling us to break free from that. Not in the sense of let's just do something new to do something new. But let's do the old, that which is the first love, that which is the fresh love, that which is the vulnerable love, that which allows us to walk in the power of the mercy and bathed in the forgiveness of Jesus, covered by that mercy and that tender filling that you can just remember when every thought and feeling and emotion was so filled up that you walked in that power and you began to function with people differently. Remember when you fell in love and people said, wow, you look and talk differently? It's just like you're not the same person. You're going, that's what God is calling us to do. There was a love he had for this church. It wasn't a rejection of this church, but there was a warning. I'm going to tell you the truth. Hating sin and getting caught in the mundane and repeating what you repeat is going to kill you. 
And I'm telling you, if you stay like that, I will come and remove your lampstand. That means I'll pull back the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm pulling it back. But if you renew your first love, this is the thing I need you to do. Then you will have all of those things plus the very thing that makes you real. So the challenge that I have for you is the same challenge I have in my heart. What first love? What needs to change? What would God be speaking to your heart? What kind of love would he surround you with right now? What kind of mercy does he need to generate inside of you? So that when you hear some man has committed adultery, or you hear some woman is using drugs, or you hear some kid is compromising himself by sleeping with his girlfriend or boyfriend, if you hear some immorality, you're not going to be shocked and shamed by it, but you're not going to compromise it. You're going to walk up to that person, and you're going to surround him, not with fakiness, not with kind of tradition, but you're going to surround him with the freshness of the love that says, my Jesus is here with me today, and we've come to lay hands on you. We've heard your confession, and we sinners are gathering around you. I know that my Savior who loved me can rescue me from my immorality. And I know my Savior that loved me has made me finally look at that and recognize it as sin. I know my Savior who loves me and he's right here and his hand is upon my hand and his shoulder is right on my shoulder and I lay hands on you right now and I say, brother or sister, in Jesus' name I set you free that you are among God's people and this is the place of redemption. This is a place of healing. This is where men lose their addictions and where women are set free. This is the place that guilt falls away. This is the place that wholeness begins to happen. This is the place where the power of the Holy Spirit is released. And this is the place where sinners covered by the blood of Jesus become empowered by the Holy Spirit with the resurrection power of Jesus and people are set free. We need to be those people like that. I think God's call on your heart and mine is back to the first love. And I think as you do that individually, as I do that individually, and we do it as the body of Christ, as elders and, and leaders and individuals and husbands and wives and children, that God is going to pour out a spirit, a word upon our hearts that is fresh and new, and you'll smell it, and you'll feel it, and you'll taste it. Do you remember the first love emotions? They weren't just, just feelings. It was just that touch of holding that person close, that smell of their hair or the, the closeness of who they were, that, that touching, that tasting sometimes as you touch them and kiss them and God whispers, that's the kind of relationship I want with you. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will carry you through these circumstances. And nothing else is good enough for you and I to have. Pray with me. My Jesus, my Savior, Hold me. Draw me close to you, Lord, that I might taste and feel and know your, your treasured love. I don't know how it happens, Lord, but sometimes I lose my first love. And I substitute that which I know to do 
or say to do that I don't love. And I forgot what it's like to hold you, to feel your presence in my life, to feel the smell of forgiveness and wholeness in life. I want those things back in my life, Lord. I want them back in every life of every man, woman, and child in this fellowship. There is a new battle to be fought, and it's against those parts of our life that have lost first love. And so we pray for a fresh spirit, a fresh wind, a fresh moving across this fellowship. We pray that in obedience, Lord, you would begin to move. That wherever there's anything that would hinder just total acceptance and love of people in need, that you would begin to cleanse that from our hearts. Wherever there's that process that needs to be gone and uprooted, I pray, Lord, by your name and in your authority, you would do that. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we might know you and the power of your resurrection all over again. We love you, Lord, today. In your name we pray. Amen.